Good morning, Generations Church, and I welcome you this morning to Logos Evangelical Seminary. This is our brand new chapel that was just built, and I got permission to make my sermon here for chapel, uh, in the chapel for our service this morning. And so I welcome you. I came here in 2011, and I recall I left Chicago at the time with some trepidation. I was following my call of God throughout my life to uh, serve as a missionary among the Chinese people. And God opened the door in 2011 to come and teach here at Logos, a Mandarin language seminary. The one reason that I didn't want to come to Los Angeles is, well, coming from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, I think I always despised Los Angeles. I, always, I think it was the Lakers, it was the Dodgers, well, some people have said, well, probably you were jealous of Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles, when I was little, was the third biggest city. By the time I got older, it had apparently become the second biggest city, bigger, bigger than Chicago. <sighs> and now I was supposed to come to Los Angeles. But what I was really worried about was, where would I ride my bike? In Chicago, I was loving riding my bike and there were lots of places. And I thought in a big city like Los Angeles with all the cars and traffic. But when I arrived, I found out there are beautiful bike trails and I began to ride those trails. I recall the very first time I was riding on the St. Gabriel bike trail, I had this strong sense that God was just affirming, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I have for you. And it was such a blessing. It was beautiful. I recall I started on the trail and there were ranches and horses and horseback riders along the trail. I went up to the Santa Fe Dam and there's a beautiful view of the mountains. And I just felt that God was affirming, this is what I have prepared for you. I got beyond the Santa Fe Dam and there's a desert preserve that is there. I had never heard of that. In Chicago, we had forest preserves, but this was a desert preserve that was preserving. I read about this. It preserves rare and endangered plants, birds, and other wildlife species inhabit these unusual habitat areas. Examples include cactus wrens, California gnat catchers, scissor tail fly catchers, horned lizards, kangaroo rats, and more. And I rode past that. And when I got to the end of the trail, I just felt this was more beautiful than I had ever imagined. And then I realized... The end of the trail was the beginning of the mountain roads, and there is beautiful cycling for miles and miles throughout the San Gabriel Mountains. And I thank God for his great grace and his great blessing for bringing me here to Los Angeles. Well, the past several weeks, a lot of us have been watching those mountains burn. And it gives me a real sense of sadness because to me, it was such a symbol of God's grace for me. And now it was on fire. And I feel it's a bit like a metaphor. God prepared a garden, a perfect garden of Eden, a place where men and women could thrive. But because of sin, because of our arrogance. We walked away from God. We set the garden on fire and we have destroyed it. 
We are looking this morning at the Gospel of Mark. And I believe that in the Gospel of Mark, we see this morning that Jesus Christ is going to step into this burning world. We see that Jesus, he will enter stage right. Jesus will step onto the stage of human history and he will change everything. He will transform everything. And that is what we are looking at. This dramatic moment in the human drama where Jesus steps into history, onto the stage of history. The Holy Spirit rips open the doors of heaven and we can join in communion with Jesus. So our outline for this morning is simple. We'll look at Jesus as he enters the stage. We'll see that the curtain has been slashed and we'll see then that Jesus begins to challenge darkness. And the picture I have of this sermon, the image I have of this sermon is like this stained glass window. Here's a a beautiful depiction of John the Baptist. This is the passage we're looking at this morning. John the Baptist with Jesus submitting to the baptism of John. And it is a beautiful picture and it is a beautiful sight. But what happens as part of that baptism is the sun shines through. That's why I love that this is a stained glass window because it can look like this and have this beauty. But when the light hits it, it can change everything. It can enlighten and make more powerful everything. It enlivens. When the sun comes in, The world is enlivened. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So let us look at our passage this morning. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit will enliven us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn now to our Bible passage and we see in verse 9, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth. Nazareth was unknown in the ancient world and He seems to come out of nowhere. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan. We don't know anything about John the Baptist and his background. Other Gospels tell us a lot, but that's not what Mark's interested. We don't know a lot about Jesus, but we do know here that he's from Nazareth, a place that is unknown. What good could come out of Nazareth? And it says then that he was baptized by John. And at that instant, 
the world was changed. We are going to notice that at that instant, the heavens were opened above him. The Spirit descended into him and a heavenly voice spoke to him. So let us see what happens. Jesus enters stage, right? And just then, immediately, I mentioned in the first sermon that Mark loves to use this word in the original language that means immediately. It's translated different ways in different places in our NIV Bible, but it's immediately, immediately. And so he enters stage right, and just as that happened, immediately as that happened, as Jesus was coming up, do you feel the the momentum of it? Jesus enters. Jesus from Nowheresville enters the stage. Boom! Immediately. Jesus was coming up out of the water. He saw Heaven being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The first thing we see is that heaven is being torn open. Jesus has entered. And Jesus now wants to participate in our world. There's a powerful phrase that I want to share as we go into this, these couple verses about the curtain being slashed. It's a powerful phrase, and it is this. I will go with you. I will go with you. Have you ever had a difficult situation that you faced? Maybe you had to go to the hospital for surgery, or maybe you had to go your first day of school to a huge, immense campus. Maybe you had to go overseas. And when someone can say to you, I'll go with you, that can be powerful. I know a lot of you know um, well, let me ask you this first. Uh, how many of you have completed an Iron Man? I always like to mention this because I like to kind of uh, show off and point out that, yes, I did do an Iron Man. It's the same uh, distance. I did it in uh, uh, Wisconsin. It's the same distance, the same challenge as those people who do the famous Iron Man in Hawaii. And I wonder how many of you have done that um, What it is, if you don't know, of course, it is a full marathon, 26.2 miles. But before you get to the 26.2 miles marathon, before you do that, you have a 112-mile bike ride. How many of you have done a century bike ride? And before you get to do the bike ride, you have to do a 2.4-mile Swim. How many of you have done a 2.4 mile swim in open water with no edges, no shallow water, no place to stand? That is an Ironman. I recall I did that in 2006 and I trained for a year. I had a bunch of buddies and we were all training and we were going to finish at different times. We weren't at the same level. And I had one of my buddies who trained, his name is Lonnie, and he said he was going to be at the race. And he said at the end of the race, he would be there for me. And I thought, you don't need to be there. You're not signed up for the race. But he says he had done the race and he knows how difficult it is. When you finish an Ironman, I recall after 15 hours, I came into the final finish and somebody grabbed my 
strong, hard. I remember how hard the person just grabbed me and held me up. And the person looked at me and said, you did it. You're an Iron Man. Congratulations. And then they walked with me a few steps and they said, now, if I let go of you, you won't fall down. And I looked and I didn't know. And if, if I let go of you, will you keep walking? And my mind was not clear. And I looked at the person and I said, yes. That's the condition a person in is in at the end of an Ironman. And I recall my friend Lonnie. He said, I will be there at the end of the Ironman. And I will take you back to your hotel. I will take care of you. I'll go with you. That was powerful words. And I recall he did. He helped me collect my gear. He helped me collect my bicycle. He helped me put everything into the car that I had with me. I'll go with you. When life is hard, when there's a tremendous challenge, when there is something hard that we face, or if the world is on fire, Jesus wants us to hear, I'll go with you. That's what this passage is about. It is Jesus stepping onto the stage of history and saying, from this moment, I will go with you. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We see three parts of this and the first part is that heaven is being torn open and that is a beautiful image. You can think of um, torn open. There's two words that might be used. The first word might be open. And that would be the idea if you had this piece of paper and you open it. And if you open it, you can see it is something that you could close again. But what this word isn't just the word that the heavens were open, but it says that the heavens were torn open. And when it is torn open, there is no putting it back together. This is going to be a permanent condition and the dome between heaven and earth is now torn open this word of torn open you may be thinking how often does mark use this two times one time here in chapter one and one time at the crucifixion when the curtain in the temple was torn open opening the way between God and humans. It is a powerful image, and here we see it, that heaven is being torn open. And God is now among us. Second, we see a spirit. We see the spirit descending on him like a dove. Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming to fill him so he can fulfill his messianic vision. And what does what does this refer to? It refers to all heaven breaking loose. 
all heaven is opening up. The spirit that's talked about in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2, the spirit that hovers over the primordial waters, the spirit that's hovering over that, that is the spirit that comes down into Jesus. And that is the spirit that is going to empower him so that he can liberate earth from the stranglehold of chaos and sin. Third, there is an affirmation. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. There's a voice that comes from heaven and there is the Father's unqualified approval of Jesus and his mission. These verses, interestingly, allude to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 42 actually says almost the exact same thing. Speaking of the servant that is coming in Isaiah, the Old Testament, the prophecy is this. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. That is the prophecy of the servant. And here, Mark is making clear that Jesus is that servant and that prophecy is fulfilled. If we were to follow through in Isaiah, after Isaiah 42 verse 1, we would see that there are four prophecies put into place and the book of Mark is going to follow through. The first prophecy is that he will put his spirit on the servant. And we see that fulfilled here. But the second prophecy from Isaiah is the true servant would suffer greatly in fulfilling God's word. Third, the true servant would die as a guilt offering. And fourth, the true servant, he himself would serve as the sacrificial lamb. And so this is all put into place. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes on him and he is empowered. And immediately, everything happens one after the other at once. Immediately, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And here we would see the wilderness as a metaphor or as symbolic for Sin and darkness and the brokenness of the world. The realm of Satan. And so Jesus, the Spirit empowers him, but immediately sends him into the midst of darkness. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. Being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. There are so many questions we might have about this. We might wonder about his psychological drama. We might wonder, did he struggle with doubt? Did he struggle with what is his sense of purpose? But there's no detail. Mark wants to tell his story fast. And all we know is that Jesus is tempted and the angels come and attend to him. But if we continue to read, and that's what we have to do with the book of Mark, is we have to continue to look forward to read. Because there's no resolution 
clearly stated here, but we can continue to read forward and we see that Jesus will begin to continue to face evil demons, evil spirits, illnesses, sicknesses, sin, darkness, and death. And one by one, he's going to show again and again and again that he has power over those things. So here we just get started. That he goes out into the wilderness and the angels attend to him. And this then, verse 13, marks the conclusion of the introduction to the book of Mark. So next time we preach, we will move on to verse 14. And there we get into the gospel. And we're going to see that the gospel will start to tell story, story after story after story. And so we come to the conclusion this morning. And I want us to think about what should we take from this passage. Jesus enters stage right. Imagine this Bible study. One person in the Bible study after reading this passage, they might say, what the passage means to me is that everyone needs to be baptized. And I believe that it should be by immersion. Is that what the passage says? Well, that might be an implication. A second person responded, I think it means that everyone needs to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. The third person in the Bible study reacted honestly, said, uh, I'm not exactly sure what I should be doing based on this passage. And then a fourth person suggested that the passage meant that if one is to meet God, one needs to get away into the wilderness, into the desert, and commune with nature in the desert. Let me suggest that those are possible applications, but if they are applications, they are secondary. The primary thing that Mark is getting at is who is Jesus? He is pointing to Jesus. He's not saying, who are we? He's not pointing to us what we should do. But what he wants us to know is that Jesus has entered the stage. And we should identify Jesus. Think about this question as we looked at these verses. Did the people in the story recognize who Jesus was? John the Baptist might have recognized, but the onlookers wouldn't have recognized. The voice from heaven, all the drama that we are witness to, all that drama apparently was not seen or heard by the onlookers at the time. But they would learn it over time. So Mark begins to introduce these themes and then Quickly, one by one, these stories unfold and the onlookers soon will learn all about who is the Messiah. The onlookers didn't see. You and I today, we do see. And this is our opportunity. This morning, right now, Jesus enters stage right. Right now is our opportunity. Jesus has come into the world.
and we know that. I again go back to this image of a world on fire, of a dry, barren world. And as Jesus enters, I think something beautiful happens. There is a transition that means there is no going back. Yes, Jesus still has to engage the evil, but it the world has fundamentally changed because the sun has entered the world. And today, we are witnesses of this passage. We are witnesses that Jesus has entered the stage. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus prays, or he taught his disciples to pray. He said, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, When Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, was Jesus instructing his disciples to believe that God was far away, God was way out in heaven, that when the disciples prayed, they should say, Our Father, our Father who art in heaven. What is Jesus, his understanding of heaven? Heaven is not way out there. Heaven is a different dimension, but heaven is close. Heaven is right here. Think of the transfiguration when the disciples saw the heavenly bodies of Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, and Jesus, the Son of God. Where were those heavenly bodies? Were they way out there? When they saw that vision of heaven, when they saw Jesus in His glorified body, that body was right before their eyes. The picture of the Lord's Prayer isn't that we yell out to God because He's out there, but it's our God in heaven. It's in another dimension maybe that we can't see. But it's right here. For a world that is burning, remember that Jesus is right here. Jesus has entered stage right. He is is on the set. He is on the stage. He is in the picture. And may we live our lives knowing that He is with us and we can be empowered by Him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would live in light of hope. Lord, I pray that in light of the fact that Jesus is close, that we would desire to serve You, that we would pursue holiness, that we would pursue Your Word. Lord, I pray that we would be reading through the book of Mark over and over again, so that we could be inspired by the story after story immediately, immediately, immediately. Lord, I pray that we would read and reread and reread and allow it to begin to form our minds, our hearts, our spirits. Lord, forgive us for our lack of desire to pursue you. Forgive us for seeking entertainment in other places. Have mercy on us and give us 
a fresh heart to see the God who is near, Jesus who has entered the world stage and is right beside me. We pray with thankful hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.